welcoming to the show for another fun all-star cast uh summary it is none other than ellie mcconaughey author and giant geek how are you (laughs) Uh, i'm all right nice to meet you um not bad either (laughs) hello audience of people i don't know (laughs) the the audience is out there (laughs) oh god that's a terrifying thought (laughs) Um, the audience is actually aliens (laughs) less terrifying frankly are those are those blue skinned aliens mass effect out there because if so they can um i'm gonna stop that i'm gonna stop that train of thought right there um (laughs) too late i just gotta open up (laughs) oh man so um uh how did before we start uh how did you get into the beloved x-files series before we talk about their beloved actors and other roles that we love them in <laughs> um so uh i've been the the story is i, I think i do tell it at one point on the act uh, so for those of you who who haven't bothered to like click on my accreditation on the episode um i just finished a review of the entire series of the x-files and uh, the sto- i do think i tell the story when it comes up that when i was like 13 um i was I live in Connecticut, but I was born in Alaska, and I was in Anchorage visiting my father over the summer because my parents were divorced, and you know. And mm-hmm. the the library in Anchorage had exactly one X Files VHS tape in it, and that was um, Darkness Falls and the Erlenmeyer Flask. I didn't know anything about the Erlenmeyer Flask. I didn't know what the heck was going on there because it's a plot episode, but I was obsessed with darkness Falls. i must have rented it like 12 times over the course of that summer and then i came back to connecticut for a school year and found out that the my library here had all the first three seasons on dvd and i was like this is it i'm hooked i'm in all the way give it to me <laughs> as, as you know and you, you got into it the same way you got into a lot of things back in like the vhs era you know, I, I'm walking down the library of the Blockbuster aisle and you go, that looks kind of neat. Um, let me let me see what's what's happening over here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It mm-hmm. had a bit of everything for everyone. <laughs> yeah, except for my partner. They, they don't like the X-Files because they're frightened of bugs. And <laughs> they think that half the episodes are about bugs. <laughs> Funny how that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I'm just—I pretty much was always connected to it in some capacity. I always, again, I had family that was watching it for a while, and then you know, in the mm-hmm. 2000s, it was just literally every day, like you know, either the afternoon or morning on TNT and Sci-Fi Channel, just nonstop, and. You know, just constantly being re-uploaded onto Hulu when it was just becoming a thing, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Yeah." And the DVD sets were always, you know, being reissued, and then there's the TV show Millennium, and then it's like, "Yeah," it just it's constantly just getting referenced in other shows. Just as, uh, I mean, there's like a later Bones episode where they're like, "I'll be your skull until you're molder." It's just like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just they can't help themselves. It's just still everywhere. <laughs> what I've actually discovered. As I've gotten older and you know started interacting with people who are younger than me, uh, zero out of ten don't recommend. Uh, <laughs> or people older than you, or people the same age as you, don't interact with people. Um, 
is Damn it, that a, a lot of younger people sort of have this idea in their head that the X-Files was like this weird cable cult show that wasn't really yeah. like well known and i've like had to say so many times no this was like the biggest thing on tv for like five years there like it was seinfeld or simpsons level big it really was if you weren't watching any of those other shows then you're watching something else like homicide or law and order or even just beginning level uh, you know cable channel stuff like uh you know, Oz and Sopranos. So, you know, it's just, you, you know, whatever you want to get hooked to, you got hooked to. And it was just mm-hmm. big and that, yeah, it could attract any kind of people. It was going to attract the sci-fi nerds, the horror nerds, the people crime who wanted, people. yeah, even the crime mystery people, as well as uh, people just cool writing and acting. And, you know, so mm-hmm. then by the time I saw, you know, people doing marathons, of shows that were on like every Friday, like, you know, there was Stargate and Battlestar Galactica. And then there was all Mm -hmm. other kinds of, again, just can't miss premieres. And when DVD first became a thing, you know, it kind of rode into that too. You know, it's just like when it, if, when it finally ended in like 2002, it was still just a big, just talked about thing. It wasn't uncommon for UPN to do a, knockoff or cbs do a knockoff show every other summer that was heavily inspired by that it's like here's a conspiracy in a small town with a bunch of agents who are really good at solving you know abnormal Mm -hmm. things that might have a ufo or supernatural connection (laughs) we'll return after these messages do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between goku and superman Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. (laughs) Yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. We let things pile up in the DVR. We add them to our queues. We wait for the DVDs and Blu-rays. We time shift. The Time Shifters podcast. Sci-fi, horror, fantasy, superheroes, comedy, action, film, television, maybe some not-so-current events. Find us on iTunes or at timeshifterspodcast.com. Cool thing about Blind Knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the U.S. We are in the U.K. We are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Dragon Ball Z, One Piece, Naruto, all things that we love, all manga that were originally published in the legendary magazine Weekly Shonen Jump. But not every series can run for 300 chapters and have a hit anime. This is David. This is Jordan. We're the hosts of Shonen Flop. Each episode, we look at manga that ran and jumped that didn't quite make it. We discuss what it did wrong, what it did right, how the series could have turned itself around, and ultimately, was it a flop or not? Run all your favorite podcast apps, and you can find us at shonenflop.com. 
keep on flopping floppers. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know if I ever went into this because it's sort of a tangential thing. Um, so like you, you look at Mulder as a character and you can see a very direct like lineage to him from Agent Cooper on Twin Peaks. The point where like right. you, David Duchovny was on Twin Peaks and speaking as a trans woman, his character on Twin Peaks is like very important to me. Um, but, <laughs> but um, and I and you also sort of get the sense that you know the X Files understands that Mulder is really good at his job, but that he's also like as a result not really a normal dude, and they can either play that. Uh, for really intense, definitely not a normal dude, so that works. <laughs> they can play that for either really intense drama or hilarious comedy, depending on the scene. But you can therefore sort of see a a direct lineage from Mulder down to all these like. Led to like you know, um, uh, detectives who use some sort of like mental in you know disability to become like um what's it called the one with Tony Shalhoub uh monk yeah or um oh god I can't remember there's like fifty of the, what, what's the the really violent one it had Anigo Montoya on it for a while. Um, oh, uh, Criminal Minds. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he's like autistic or schizophrenic, right? The lead on that. Mm-hmm. I-, I never watched it. My my partner's being into it. Uh, my point is, that you can see this this like people sort of picking up what the X Files is le- like, basically doing what what Always Sunny did with the base premise of Seinfeld and like taking it off to more extreme directions. So they're taking well, Mulder's kind of a weird dude, so he makes weird connections. What if we make them clinically weird and let our actor just run with that? A thousand percent is like that's the template, and I see so many people shitting on even earlier X Files seasons too, and it's kind of like Star Trek, where it's just like, well, they didn't know what they had, so it's still going to be entertaining. You're still going to watch it a few more times. And I had mm-hmm. the Trust No One podcast on when we discussed the entire like saga, everything, Millennium, Lone Gunman, X Files show in the movies, and even the video games, and we were just like. And we, we had a few of them who were just like, we don't want to see Squeeze anymore or some of these other season one episodes. I'm like, well, see, again, it worked at the time. It might not work now, but it worked at the time. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. Like, you you go back and you, like, I've been rewatching the show because I haven't rewatched season one since I started. My How can we not? It's fun. <laughs> X-Files review project. I used to do, like, a yearly rewatch of it. So I started this project oh, back nice. in 2015, so I haven't watched season one since then. And... Yeah, there's a lot of episodes that don't like really hold up. Like some of them shit. don't go anywhere, but they're kind of fun because it kind of invites just that whole just slow burn, just come on in and uh just escape reality uh-huh. and see half the time some of the episodes they're not even a I think we're just in too uh people who just still want too formulaic a formula still will just kind of the reason, like, I see other shows that were inspired by this or Babylon 5 or other serialized sci-fi or horror shows, and the reason I just can't get into as many of them, like, I can't do shows like Lost or what have you, because at the end of the day, it really doesn't mean anything, and uh-huh. people just want to argue about what it did or did not mean, and I'm like, see, but they made it up as they went along. Here with, they they might have had a five-year arc in place, but they didn't know what to do with everything. And see, X-Files, they pretty much, by the end of season one, knew where it was going to go and then just kept outlining it from there. Like, Cigarette Smoking Man is going to have a bigger 
say he's not going to be the featured extra anymore. Scully's going to have this predicament where she thinks she's going to die and uh-huh. Mulder's going to get kidnapped because uh, we got to accommodate Mr. Duchovny. He's got to make time for her family. Oh, and uh-huh. he's got to, he wants to be a movie star. How's that going? It's not going well. <laughs> that, was a, that was a, it's, it's really interesting, you know, coming back to it, to the new seasons. Cause like, do they do company made the move the production from toronto to la and then left a season later anyway like it did. <laughs> they um, did everything in their power and it still didn't work and now like except for like californication do company's not really doing anything in tv like he's writing books and he's releasing albums and they're all fine um, uh so i'll sum like, it up for you guys so. whereas like gillian anderson is like she's stuck with that thing all the way through beginning to end and now she's like she's on hannibal she didn't want anymore but after a while and i couldn't blame her i mean she so many people were kind of starting the rumor that oh she's a bitch oh she's stuck up i'm like here's the thing she had kind of called the shots on how the character was going to be written a bunch of other stuff and she just thought they were kind of just catering to the lowest common denominator now unlike most i actually didn't mind those last two seasons that they came back with despite spreading out over a year but they i think she had legit reasons she's like i'm tired of playing the role and i don't like where it's going and i don't feel like you guys can write for women anymore <laughs> i was like okay i think the last two seasons are how do i put this um i think that the problem is that they're they're the plot episodes get so much focus because there are some really really good monster of the weeks in there but the, the plot, like, I cannot stand any of the plot turns that they did in the new seasons. Like, the reveal that William slash Jackson was actually, like, an experiment from the cigarette smoking man. Throw it in the garbage. Get rid of it. <laughs> Wor- worst plot. Oh, twi- like, And I, I know the X-Files is not above, like, retconning stuff because, you know... They retconned every the sci-fi cig- horror show has to do it if it exactly. just doesn't. Crycheck is is by the end of the series a betrayal-based organism because they have to keep changing who he works for. Like it's fine. But like if you ever get another season, retcon the shit out of that. That's the worst. <laughs> oh, damn. I kind of dug the kid, but I kind of thought it was better than the second movie, but what do I know? It the, the second movie has got a lot of problems. Um, oh man. Oh, it's funny as uh, Roger Ebert loved it. He loved both I, movies. I, I like the first movie. I don't hate the second movie. I just think that like it's kind of become taboo in its fan base where they just I don't know. I think audiences wanted to see more explosions and conspiracies, and it was more interested in just doing just a uncanny just another monster of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I think that you know, I mentioned Twin Peaks. A minute ago and you know twin yeah. peaks season three is this like incredibly well known it and x-files were kind of unofficial rivals even though twin peaks was only on for like two years and x-files came like a year later <laughs> just kind of both been I, i've never really seen them as rivals i think that like, like x-files is very much taking down it, it's doing what what always kind of happens in art you know this this very weird very singular artist comes along and makes this very weird very singular thing and then someone else comes along and sort of processes it for the masses where it's not as intense, but it's a little more palatable. And, but you you have Twin Peaks season three, which is this like incredible work of art. But then you look at like basically every other attempt to revive a long dead franchise. And they mostly just kind of suck. 
you know, <laughs> we we've got those those Jurassic World movies just oh just yeah. kicking around. Well, and fa- every franchise is in oversaturation now. Superheroes are all the rage, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, uh, the fans want more because now they want to see their favorite comics adapted. People who just generally like only popcorn movies will still always be there and people yeah. like me are just like i'm waiting for in the flop they were fun for a while i don't need them every single year and nothing needs over seven <laughs> sequels in my opinion but we're not enough about that we're talking about, the about that uh the company is interesting in that he could be practical these are basically their superheroes super iconic roles and i mean i like you, I, I knew about him, you know, on Twin Peaks and I'd seen him in some other TV movies. Um, and my parents seen the always, Red Shoe Diaries. You're right. My parents would always joke about that. Can you believe he went from Red Shoe to this? And then and then back to Californication. So then again, he's back to being on a sleazy showtime show. <laughs> and, then, um, and then it's just so funny how uh just the various actors would just always just like make fun of themselves like they cameo as themselves on cartoon shows like uh jillian plays scully on a uh, what what on a simpsons episode they, they both that was that was i actually reviewed that one as part of my blog oh, my, nice it's one of my favorite episodes of the simpsons and <laughs> um that episode's like real funny because but it was it was released i think that it was definitely released contemporaneous with the x-files like that was back when the series that it's when it was just huge and there was even an american dad episode that made fun of a convention and they have again people uh characters that look like their mm-hmm. persona and but yeah the company he made fun of them on a so was it it was like a was it also simpsons yeah it was a simpsons episode okay but i always got it confused because yeah he would sometimes they would sometimes play like a fictional version of themselves, like on some of the other cartoon shows, like Duckman, and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's always just kind of a fun thing to do. Oh, totally. Uh, so I was definitely familiar with a lot of his movies. He had so many movies where he was not necessarily always like the first bill, but he was always part of a giant like ensemble. Like he's in the Rapture with future uh, X Files co-star Mimi Rogers. He was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Return to Me is probably his best one, where it was just a romantic dramedy with, you know, directed by Bonnie Hunt and had Minnie Driver. That's just an easygoing crowd pleaser. But mm-hmm. uh, then, you know, my sister was always watching Zoolander, where he's playing the conspiracy theorist. So it's a total you know, <laughs> reference to that. And uh, Evolution also is basically a Men in Black meets X Files parody. <laughs> I, I don't like. I, I don't know if this is like controversial, but I don't think Evolution was very good. No, um, it's not known for being good. It's way too lowbrow, even by. Because that's what's weird is Ivan Reitman is clearly trying to recreate his, uh, you know, Ghostbusters, uh, dilemma, and it's just a little too much. It really is. It's just one of those where you're just like, okay, this would be an okay SNL like digital short it would not it goes on way too long like you say mm-hmm. and like you say some of the gags are just pretty dumb even by dumb comedy sci-fi standards mm-hmm. and uh, i think he's really good in california no relation where he you know that was an excuse for him to be in a psychodrama with uh a then unknown brad pitt and juliet lewis mm-hmm. and michelle forbes and i don't it's kind of like every other psycho thriller where is i 
half the audience is going to like it half the others are going to hate it but you got to give it up to just the pacing and the first hour before it kind of feels like it got rewritten to just a company of the car chase crowd but it's in it's interesting you know to go back over his filmography especially as the x-files was like coming out and as he was leaving it because i i think there was like a half minute there where they thought like this, this guy gonna be, he's like, gonna be big, the next movie star and... he's gonna be a big deal and then like i don't know if that's if if, if, if it didn't work because he wasn't good for it i mean i've seen people make much more with much less than what he's got uh right or it was just like <laughs> if you just picked the wrong projects like i i recall liking return to me but i don't think that's a very good use of your david Duchovny. i think if he's not playing Mulder, he's really good at playing kind of kind of sleazy guys you know yeah gotta... sleazy or just kind of funny just like mm-hmm. supporting roles and uh, I, I don't mean to shit on his talent or anything. I think he is, he does have some talent in there and he is generally very likable. I just don't think he had that much depth to allow the roles and he wasn't able to bring it really. And I don't mm-hmm. mean that. I, 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 I say that as a fan. I, I just thought he was a little limited. And like you say, he did pick a few just turds that were just like, yeah, no one would have been that good. And when you're trying to do so much, you're trying to make time for, you know, famous actress wife you know, you know tia leone kids and then uh you know do both the tv show and all these movies and neither mm-hmm. is really t- the show is just you know by that point just larger than life people are revisiting it talking about the outrageous weird endings it's it's kind of a breakthrough in that you could just do stuff that didn't have to cater to really any kind of formula but yet anyone who wanted any kind of formula found us something for everybody and it's just mm-hmm. larger than life you know it could have literally been garbage for five years and it still would have been on the air for years you know it just had that kind of drawing appeal and here here he is yeah he's trying to do movies he's trying to do other shows and it's just i don't think he was able to kind of get it all together but i will have to say this did you ever see uh playing god think so the name's yeah that was a weird twisted it's almost like a semi-punk cyberpunk episode and it's even more wild seeing um x-files guest star uh michael massey you know who was on the one later episode where he plays like a jim jones type guy in a death cult and in a rare good guy role in this but yeah it, it the test audiences didn't like it there was rumors that he and angelina jolie had a exotic moment in this movie that was excised from the final product i it's a harmless movie it would easily appeal to uh uh so the company apparently hated it because apparently it was one they pulled a will smith where they had a movie greenlit without a script ready (laughs) not a not a great plan there no but see i thought it was just a fun just kind of like a racer or terminal velocity just a fun kind of uh playstation type you know <laughs> spy uh assassin crime thriller uh, you know it would definitely appeal to yeah and enemy of the state crowd nowadays it's just that laid back kind of fun movie and he and jolie you know again that was when she was just becoming a big star and i i thought they both had interesting charisma i know connie and carlo was one of my favorite uh comedies for my sister and mother mm-hmm. and near vardalos and tony collette and it was just 
that's just it. He would always get these just like ensemble movies, like the TV set and uh, the Jonas's. And he's actually pretty decent in Phantom, which is a Soviet Cold War movie. Basically, oh, yeah, giving... I did see that. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> so I, years ago, like I, I, I went through, I think a lot, whenever you were like lovish TV show a lot, you 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 go through this like phase of tracking down you know oh the creator made this movie i'm gonna go watch that and then, yeah oh the act you know <laughs> that works out real well for twin peaks that's so great for the x-files um, <laughs> you're right x-files um, is like they couldn't keep up and it's even funnier how this movie kind of bombed but it was ness it was considered pretty decent by both critics and audiences and there just wasn't an audience for it it just no one wanted to see a cold war submarine movie and as another x-files connection lance henriksen is the admiral who commits suicide at the beginning so yeah i i I do miss you know when we had like middleweight movies you know movies that aren't like 200 million dollar blockbusters but also aren't uh, he know, had his share of those too he did this one movie called the secret which was like a remake of a japanese terror film and i saw it mm-hmm. on lifetime and i was like i've never heard of this this is depressing but i'm gonna check it out because this is an interesting cast and premise <laughs> but yeah it seems like he wasn't able to do that either like he was doing a lot of indies that he was writing and directing and they just were not taking off like mm-hmm they wanted to I, I think i think with indies you kind of have to be in the uh, unless you're you're really good like you can count on on critics going to bat for you you kind of just got to be in the right time at the right you got to be in the right place at the right time in order to get an indie to take off properly or just sort of accept that you're making it for the art and you're not gonna make a lot of money i mean x-files residual jacks are gonna pay, pay his bills for the rest of his life so what does he care <laughs> that's true too I gotta say, uh, kudos though to Jillian, and I was always, yeah, distracted by, uh, uh, always bringing her ethnicity into question. Not because I did or didn't care. I just, I'd see she was like the international star. She'd be in like a bunch of acclaimed stuff that you'd see playing on PBS, and the next thing you know, she's on some other you know cable TV show. <laughs> mm, I I think that as much as I I like Duchovny. I think that Anderson is the the like a more actress. a more complicated, more versatile actress, and I think that's why you know it it took a few years, but she's really got uh, a good. You know, she's on that um, what is the title of it? The First Lady or whatever it is, where she plays. Have you seen that? It's one. I haven't. Oh, I've heard she, it's real good. If she doesn't get an Eleanor Roosevelt nom, then uh, I, I'm sorry life life is dead like she there's, there's so much tv to watch well and i can't blame it uh, there were other shows i'd seen parts of wasn't impressed by but she apparently had bit parts in like war and peace like this new version that was on like a and e and history channel like back to back simultaneously but yeah she did the fall which was her attempt at doing a another creepy serial killer procedural and that was pretty good for three years and then yeah she's briefly on hannibal which is just so funny because the whole character name scully comes from Mm -hmm. of the lambs (laughs) hannibal is how do i frame this interesting hannibal is a (laughs) terrible show that's also an amazing show it is it is the dumbest show you will ever see in your life 
and god i love it so much in all fairness Mads I Mikkelsen. Oh, hot I take him. i'm not a brian fuller fan <laughs> i just didn't if you're not funny. a brian fuller fan you should watch hannibal because it is <laughs> almost excessively brian fuller uh um, and like he apparently likes it he was on american for the win but yeah. he was also on american gods at one point i think he played media um yeah sex yeah, education yeah. is really big i still watch it oh really okay well, I've, I've heard it's real good again there's just so much tv to watch too much it took, uh it took me... was a fun show where she was again just that she was the go-to play special federal agent in charge <laughs> and i actually know she was a ceo of a company but yeah she was the sister of a federal agent and it was another again conspiracy show so it seemed like that's what it opened up just if you're not mm-hmm. gonna do a costume drama or a british you know miniseries wait we needed to be in some giant event and i had pals who uh unfortunately did not like you know any of those popular shows they didn't do csi after a while they didn't do x-files they didn't do any uh easy to be addicted to tv show and they knew about jillian just because she would make so many both she and the company would make so many video game and cartoon like appearances (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh she you know she even did a princess minoki you know dub so it's like yeah. yeah she's real good in that too oh yeah she she has an interesting voice because and i think that's just it like you say she is diverse but you also don't know what kind of persona she's gonna put on like mm-hmm. i see her in the spy who dumped me and that was just a funny cameo she's just like playing a it's like a parody of a parody almost like she's playing a guy and a special agent in charge and then she's also just kind of just making fun of but you know you guys and, you'll figure it out and, and, and speaking as uh a a queer woman um the reaction that what's her name has to to gillian anderson is extremely accurate we're all just like yes hi hi gillian oh god please don't listen to this gillian anderson please don't know that i'm technically she lived in the same town as me for several years and i can't uh (laughs) chicago (laughs) no she lived in darien connecticut and i lived in darien for several years oh damn all right um don't recommend it it's the terrible town uh don't, there's a reason. don't worry i'm in dallas texas and that's where the explosion of the first movie takes place <laughs> it does that's right uh, that's uh where they um, bragged about it i'm like this is not something to be proud of. The, anytime an explosion goes down in texas it can't be good um that's the that's the scene where uh what's his name from lost just watches the bomb go off yeah yeah uh, uh and John Locke himself, yeah, uh, Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> Who's in, like, four different episodes of The X-Files playing completely different characters. He shows up, he's been in all the Hawaii Five-O NCIS shows, always playing a different character. <laughs> he is on the CBS calling card. <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't have a lot of, I don't have any connection to The X-Files movies, but, um... Well, obviously, you know, I was born in Alaska, so all of my friends and I were really big fans of the episode Ice. Because, um, you know, do you know how rarely stuff takes place in Alaska? <laughs> not often. It's not often. And I think uh, the episode about the, the killer twins takes place in the next town over. I think so. I yeah. Greenwich, yeah. Uh, it's it's funny how that works. <laughs> they they and half every... the time they're they're naming real towns, and half the time you go and Google that town, like 
just get the, the X-Files episode on Wikipedia. <laughs> That's how obscure it is. And it, it was, was kind of they just made it up. They made it up and mm-hmm. then they basically just they wanted a reason to incorporate all the, you know, it's filmed in Toronto and they're they want to include all the Canadian sceneries. It's like, yeah, I guess it's Alaska. <laughs> uh, I have a friend from Calgary. Uh, and he, he and I were chatting one time about the X-Files because he's a huge X-Files fan. And he mentioned that in, oh, I don't remember the title of it, the, the episode with the bees. Um, oh, God, they replayed the, that one way too much. It's the, like, a like the first time they decided to bring up that like bees were involved, they, there's a bit where they basically had to make it actually set in Canada, even though Mulder and Scully have no jurisdiction there, because they accidentally used a um a truck with the logo for like the canadian national power company oh so they had to digitally like modify it no they just went they just went with it like oh i guess this farm where Mulder's clone sister is is in toronto or wherever <laughs> i didn't think about that but yeah there is a lot of unusual brands every once in a while and you wonder it was like what are they implying here and most of the guys probably didn't care they're like hey free advertising i don't mm-hmm. care if everyone thinks we're run by actual aliens that's for the nutcases <laughs> they, they they say i mean i was gonna say that they say that uh all press is good press but like i i know friend <laughs> i i know people who who used to work for like the nielsen company doing oh doing really? like service like they would they would their job would be literally like watching csi or whatever and did you notice what kind of truck agent what blah 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 was wearing was driving when he drove up did you notice the brand of sunglasses he put on before he quipped uh so they do actually really care that you're noticing their brands <laughs> they were just trying to look at statistics uh, same thing with like websites is like is there an increase in traction <laughs> because something is mentioned now is everyone trying to buy this item because they just saw it on a primetime show <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man wild wild um so um years before you know supernatural and stargate atlantis came out i I definitely think I, I gotta applaud X Files for introducing us to the world of uh, Skinner, <laughs> Mitch Pelagi. Mitch Pelagi. I love him because yeah, was Julian, that Supernatural. Uh, yeah, he was like the granddad on that, and it's just so funny. I we would always see he's like on all other kinds of shows, like ever since Basic Instinct and like SVU, he just was always the go-to. He's gonna be <laughs> the federal agent who just comes into town and visits everyone. <laughs> he just he's has got that- the vibe. He's got the the vibe, and people who don't um, watch TV know him as the again title villain in Wes Craven's Shocker, which is a movie that kind of kind of like a lesser X Files episode. It starts out pretty good, and then it just goes into just trashy territory due to too many rewrites and studio interference. I I love Wes Craven, but I the man I, the man is is hit or miss, and when he hits, he hits, and then he doesn't. Uh, Shocker's like an in between for me because I think it's better than some of the lesser Nightmare on Elm Street type movie sequels. But man, it's it's just a shame because like the the movie both halves of the movies just don't add up with each other and mm-hmm. uh the lone gunman it's just so funny seeing them all those free actors and other things just they always pop up and sometimes the joke is that they're like being 
mistaken for a conspiracy theorist so it's just always just so funny how they 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 pretty much had everything set in stone just guest star on every other american or canadian tv show and then at the end of the day go to a convention you know signing lone gunman autographs <laughs> mm-hmm. i i felt like i when i first watched the lone gunman for the reviews i was so sure that i knew the guy playing um jimmy from something turned out no he's not been in anything else <laughs> and the, the lady playing eves has been an even less uh <laughs> yeah they're they're just kind of again they're they're just kind of hanging around uh you can you can get they're, they're interesting because they were only in like 20 episodes of the show total I know that sounds like a lot if you have like especially nowadays yeah no no that's a good point before imdb was a thing where you can now just click someone and see how many episodes they're in yeah it's just they were just featured guest stars and they either saw so did they see the fan mail and just say hey we better bring them back or did they already have that idea in place we're going to keep bringing these guys back from what i know of tv appearances like that um Basically, what happens a lot of the time, like the, the really famous example of this is Spike from Buffy, because they, <laughs> they, they brought him on for one episode. They'd actually originally intended to kill him at the end of the, that first episode he was in. And then they, they got this guy here and like, you know what? He's, he's got something that's working for us. Uh, let's, let's see where that goes. And I think they just thought these guys were kind of fun and had a fun energy. I, that's a good way to put it because it no one nothing really ever goes to plan is this you see how everything reacts and they had message boards back then <laughs> mm-hmm. and there i i do i i don't know again i don't know if it's like a controversial opinion i actually kind of like the lone gunman spinoff um i think a lot of people have grown to like it but it's just one of those where it's just when it was I, first I, announced, I think it was just it got bogged kind of like twenty four because it was already a cool idea on paper, and then when it came out, uh, the same fall as nine eleven, then everyone was just freaking out, ma- you know, making it something oh, it was. It was like, guys, it was in the can since last summer. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, that's rough. I, I also I do think. Um, I, I mean, I I have my theories about why the lone gunman failed. Um, Part of it is just that I don't think Fox ever really knew what they were doing with it. But I also feel like, one, it shouldn't have been a 45-minute thing. It should have been like a 20-minute sitcom. And a 20-minute sitcom would have been more fun. Um, and they they just... I, I think that even... It doesn't feel like a cash grab. Like, when you watch it, like, Vince Gilligan is apparently... He, he doesn't mind getting questions about it. And he's still very proud of it. But I think that it came out at a point where the X-Files was so clearly like going off the rails that it felt like a cash grab from the outside looking in. Yeah, I'd agree. Cause millennium, this is a hot take. I think millennium is actually the best of the franchise. Now I have more fun with X-Files, but I mean, millennium is just so much more just gritty and like every other gritty procedural on TV owes so much to it because it, it goes into stuff that isn't really talked about much. Like, uh, corporate you know contractors and private eyes who basically have to help feds with just other unexplainable stuff that you know this might be a hot take but i've never watched 
a single episode of Millennium. I think you'd dig it. <laughs> I, I, I probably I, would. Um, I'm, I'll give it a shot sometime. You know, a bunch of people asked me if I would. It didn't help it. that it was kind of like Trilogy of Terror. It was just so. It freaked so many people out. Like when it replayed on FX, it was often like at two or three in the morning. It is so so late. They were just afraid someone was going to get offended by it. And I, I know that I know that I watched. You know, obviously I watched the episode that is the um, integrated series finale for millennium and that episode <laughs> is not a good intro to the show because it just here's this dude he's real important we promise <laughs> stuff is happening and then i go and ask my friends who have watched it like is any of this stuff from the show and the answer is not really like yeah. that four horsemen stuff isn't really from the show it's just kind of there frank spotnitz who wrote a shit ton of the episodes and now has gone on to have plenty of other success like the Indian detective ransom and mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably his best one to date, the man in the high castle uh, just talk. It's so funny. Like on the DVD for millennium, he says, oh, I'm really glad I got another chance to revisit him." And then, you know, years later in the 2014 millennium documentary, which everyone mm-hmm. should watch, even if you haven't seen the show, he basically is like, yeah, I'm disappointed. It just wasn't my best hour revisiting the characters. <laughs> I mean, they're all pretty close to the whole thing. They're too close at times to where it's just like, it is what it is. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not a prop. I, that's kind of how I just knew about it. I'm like, oh, 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 it, I didn't know that. I didn't know those two shows were connected. Oh, you know, because which is so funny because Millennium does feel a little bit like X-Files later in uh, near the end of uh, season one and even parts of season two where there's, there's just a- more corporate uh just murders happening and other bizarre stuff and there's a, a jose chong episode in millennium right that was actually written by darren morgan right yeah so there's jose chong he's referencing x-files and he's referencing that as the fictional scientology equivalent guy <laughs> oh did, is he a scientology equivalent guy in millennium? that's what he's supposedly inspired by is he was meant to be a l ron hubbard oh he's an l ron hubbard parody oh i didn't get that at all me neither so, i just thought okay it's just making fun of self-help guys who are quacks i'm like oh 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 he was, he was a sci-fi he was like a, a sci-fi author in the i guess it might be different in millennium, no no it's it's connected it's like it's i mean like it, I, there, there's other parts of his character that are explored in millennium because in in the x-files episode he's in he's mostly just a framing device interviewing scully um <laughs> god that episode rules when does x-files not rule even when it's bad <laughs> it's, just, it's just to see the show so does Beachos does not rule it is a very funny episode but it does not rule okay <laughs> what, what season is that one that's the season three episode with the cats Ooh. or oh, space God. space is another example of an episode that does not rule <laughs> although its background is really funny um for those of you in the audience who don't know Space is a season one episode that they wrote uh, mostly to like cut their budget because the last few episodes have gone over budget and they're like, we need something kind of cheap. Right, so they went by Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a a fairly common tactic, you know. And then... uh, Stargate would do that where they would just do like recaps uh, like and just use like stock footage from other episodes and I cannot watch those episodes now. I'm just like... I know. I just saw it five episodes ago. <laughs> right. And it was probably more useful back when they didn't when everyone didn't have like streaming. 
But the, the fun thing about space is, so they, they designed this episode to be a really cheap episode. There's a lot of stock footage of spaceships taking off. And then the, the NASA set they built went stupidly over budget and it was the most expensive episode of the season. Oh, <laughs> it did not work. Oh, it happens. Um, uh, are there any other actors that you mainly try to seek out still? Like other um, than the leads, like it's just so funny how William B. Davis has kind of gotten out of just being the creepy guy out of X Files. Like he was already a trained like stage actor when he got hired, and they didn't know until afterwards. And uh, other than making fun of himself and Jay and Silent Bob, like that, the rest of the time he's kind of just done what typical Canadian actors do: being a a big budget, uh, you know, ca- Canadian produced like horror film or being a sci-fi channel original movie <laughs> um uh, there's a lot of guest stars that i kind of associate with the show because the x-files was my first major exposure to them like you know tony todd is mostly um, associated as Candyman, but i mm-hmm. i first saw him in that one episode of the x-files you know uh brad duriff didn't I mean, he's still on that Chucky. They're doing a TV show of Chucky now. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I've heard good things about it, actually. Um, I, and can't I, get, the, I can't get into it. It's so bad. I, I don't like Chucky much. I never liked any of those movies. I kind of dug Seed a little bit, but only a little bit. But, you know, at this point, it's it's still doing its thing. No, I I'm, I'm, I'm officially at like, <laughs> you know what? You're You're out here doing your thing. You shine on, you crazy diamond. You do whatever it is you're doing. Uh, I mean, even over there, away from master, me. millions of people will still show up, even if it's not good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I first saw Brad Dourif in The Two Towers, and then, like, a year later, I right. I'm like, oh, my God, there he is in The X-Files, and he's really good. Uh, he kind of lucked out, because, like, basically, he was just so good as part of the ensemble of Cuckoo's Nest, and then mm-hmm. just just recurring movie and tv roles after another you know uh chucky kind of just was his movie starred in power and then yeah guest spots like x-files and babylon 5 helped and then uh great alien resurrection yeah alien resurrection (laughs) oh man what what a wacky movie and then yeah that lord of the rings deadwood and then even star trek voyager and then just non-stop just back and forth back and forth you don't know what he's gonna do he's just so captivating regardless of the project uh been in a few david lynch movies and i'm trying to remember was he on a millennium episode i think he was i think he was um the one that I... yes I... yes that's right he is <laughs> he's in a first season episode and that's a creepy one too it's so then you could do an argument. Is he more creepy on the X-Files episode as as Boggs or is he creepy on the Lady episode? It's the the um the one that I really like is you know, everyone at this point I think knows that Vince Gilligan uh got his start yeah. <laughs> on the X-Files. And at one point and see they you know they just moved the X-Files shooting to LA and you know what? Let's get the dad from Malcolm in the Middle, who's also shooting in LA, to shoot a guest star on the X-Files. Hey, he almost didn't get it, and uh, thank God he got it, but yeah, I mean, when and you see how... Is, as they say, history. As they say, history. Um, but I mean, even one of the head 
uh, X-Files of Star Trek writers, uh, John Shaban. He did kind of some other movies like Rest Stop, which is not a very good slasher franchise, but um, uh, he's been doing a lot of work on Better Call Saul lately. And, and basically that's just what Vince did. He was just a supporting writer who, along with Spotnitz and Morgan and James Wong, you know, when they weren't, all the rest of them were basically working on other TV shows or pitching ideas that became franchises from rejected X-Files episodes, like, you know, uh-huh. Final Destination, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and, and yeah, Vince basically just, I think the closest he gets to Breaking Bad level, other than just the typical kind of X-Files, just funny episodes, is probably on Lone Gunman. That's where he gets a little more experimental. And then he uh-huh. just, he carried that with him with Breaking Bad. Is like, this is a show that defies a typical narrative and uh um, I, I, I think Vince Gilligan is a really talented guy and I think that and a nice guy too because you hear about so many other showrunners who are just you know scum of the earth who's like wow they said that they said that piggish statement and like damn uh-huh. they're just they're brilliant but they're just oh, not, Josh, you not good people so much. yeah um, Josh Whedon what the hell man <laughs> uh, but you you know you I think you go back and you look at a lot of the episodes he was either you know, he was, I, I think he was a really good producer. I think that he, he was one of the, from what I understand, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not an expert on the behind the scenes stuff because I kind of like, when I'm doing a review, I try to like put that stuff out of my mind. Like I'm writing a review of bodies, bodies, bodies right now. I'm like, <laughs> don't bring up the thing with the critic. Don't bring up the thing with the critic. It doesn't matter to the movie. It's it really shit. doesn't matter. Don't bring it up. Half the time like the inter- before the internet got toxic when you just heard about movies or shows it was near impossible to find out you know like is it hated because other people are jumping on the bandwagon or because the general just like public really has rejected it they do not like it regard and it like you say yeah you, you can't bring it up with without detracting from hey here's what i meant to do which was sit down and actually review all of these <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it, uh, for those of you at home wondering, bodies, bodies, bodies is pretty good. Um, Speaking but, of bodies, there was a great X Files site which re- would review every single episode, but it was also keeping track of the body count. <laughs> I wanted I, when I originally started, one of my ideas was like keep track of all of the laws that Mulder and Scully break. And then I watched like two episodes, and I'm like, this is not doable uh more like every episode is gonna happen there, you know? it's gonna have like five per episode and it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day like no one's keeping track of what whether they got a warrant or not you know mm-hmm. I, the SWAT team doesn't see the crazy stuff that they see so <laughs> you know i i i usually i i am very aware of how much uh you know john oliver literally this week did a a show on mm-hmm. Law and Order and the, the the TV show Law and Order talking about how it's 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 so affected the way we view not only police but defense attorneys in America and I feel mm-hmm. like the one show that I can like excuse that for is the X Files because I'm like if you think the FBI is actually out there tracking down fluke men and killer bugs from three different kinds of killer bugs then you're you're too far gone already right and it's like law and order just pretty much will always have oh uh 
a giant amount of people tuned in i'm one of them just because it's different viewpoints and just various uh-huh. uh that they won't shy away from hey this is the district attorney's agenda and this is what the other attorney actually wants to do to bring the case down but yeah uh at, at the end of the day they'll often lose the case or they'll be unsuccessful which is way more realistic than you know the typical hey the super friends have come back to save the day and yeah x-files are pretty much is like it, yeah they, they they do much like even william b davis himself he got criticized for being a skeptic and it's like uh it's fiction guys there's just nothing else to it mm-hmm. have fun uh, technically the x-files and law and order take place in the same universe exactly detective munch yeah. fucking munch <laughs> uh, to make it i'll give you a better one so basically chicago hope is often implied to be in the same universe as uh saint elsewhere and mm-hmm. it was meant to cross over with it's it's spinoff show picket fence is meant to cross over with x-files but there's several episodes where it's like they're doing just flat out like x-files spoofs is like even using the theme i'm like yeah uh for for my money they're pretty much all connected there especially to that portion even before you get to the detective bunch the the connection that i got really jazzed about when i found out the saint elsewhere universe is so detective munch so shows up really briefly on an episode of angel which means that Buffy is in, but that's not even where I'm going with this. One of the evil law firm and Angel's clients is Wayland Utani. Uh, so alien is connected. <laughs> they, at one point in Red Dwarf, they spot the, a- the ship from Alien in a ship graveyard. And you know what else they spot in that ship's graveyard? Have you ever watched Red Dwarf? Yes, I, I, okay. I, love, Red, I love Red Dwarf. Uh, Firefly they spot the freaking TARDIS there. Uh, there you go. Uh, it goes camp. all the way out that far. Parody or not, they're connected. <laughs> deal, deal with that. Um, deal with it. Uh, Firefly even sneaks in a Whalen logo in like the pilot. I, mean, uh, I think that's one of those things. That pe- I think people in general take continuity too seriously. I think that you know. I oh think yeah. Of, I think that Technically, one of the things this the doesn't X-Files, work at all. I mean, Detective Munch in a homicide episode even brings up people who are watching the X Files, and this is like, but see, here's the thing: X Files is pretty much a mirror of real life. I mean, just even with the reality TV based episodes and how it's destroying society. I mean, it's it, when it, I'm sure you remember the episode where they're seeing various celebrities and they're wondering if they're aliens or not. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like Men in Black, where it's like you say, it's meant to be a little snarky and sarcastic, and it's like just have fun. <laughs> I I do I do think that I actually think that one of the things that kind of bogged the X Files down at a certain point is trying to tie up continuity. Like I think that actually one of the ways people should be trying to tie up continuity is just like I don't know, dude was lying. Like, <laughs> like one of the things that the that a bunch of X Files fans have done for like years at this point. I always I I used to be on those message boards. I remember people used to get really pissed about the episode where they reveal that Samantha has been dead the whole time, because at one point in season two, um, the alien bounty hunter like Mulder's having a having a fight with the alien bounty hunter. Yeah, that like, was some casting Brian Thompson from freaking. Oh, he's great. He's he's top tier because he never has to say a word, so he just has to look menacing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't even say a word in the original Terminator where he played one of the punks who got killed. (laughs) Yeah, 
So, so they're having this fight. And I know that you know this, but I'm recapping it for the benefit of your audience. Yeah, um, and funny. Mulder's like basically getting the shit kicked out of him and keeps asking her, where's my sister? And finally, the bounty hunter says, she's alive. Can you die now? And so people are like, why did he say that when it wasn't true? I'm like, because he was lying. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. It was well, the cool moment. Leave it alone. Uh, it is what it is. Is like, it's, they couldn't resist. They wanted to kind of keep, they kind of had to find out the hard way. And I would have had to find out the hard way as well. Just like, you never know until you know who wants certain stuff explained and who doesn't, you know? <laughs> I, I think, you know, you go and read, we mentioned talking about Vince Gilligan a bit ago. And I think that one of the smartest things that Vince Gilligan learned from his time on the X-Files, and he brought this to Breaking Bad, is that, like he said, we really intensely plotted out season one. We had this really intense plot. And then turned out I really liked the guy playing Jesse, so I didn't want to kill him, which was our original plan. The writer's strike happened, and yeah, he kept... Yeah. And so they completely threw that out, and then they just plotted it more or less as they went. And X-Files couldn't help it. They were... Chris Carter was just having so much trouble having to keep track of all the shows he had on, especially Harsh Realm, where he had some X-Files actors make cameos on there, too. And it was just like, I think that's just it. I think all these guys got a little famous a little too quickly and just kind of like how the, you know, the company was always, you know, just staying too busy for his own good and not balancing Mm -hmm. it out. I think Chris Carter, and I don't, I say this with love, I think he was too busy assigning everyone to both shows and just not able to keep up with all the storylines. <laughs> I, I think that um, the X-Files was never going to be a show with a very tight to- storyline. How could it? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they're, telling, they're telling the story in like seven episode chunks spread out throughout a season while they also have Mulder and Scully run around fighting monsters. And they got to do that more because... I don't know if I've ever met a person who who says, no, I don't care about the monsters of the week. I'm just here for the larger overarching story. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't oh, know what that would even say about you as a person. I'm, <sighs> I've met people who are very much there for the Mulder and Scully romance. I saw that a lot of that too, as well as just people who just wanted to see the shocking stuff that happened every episode. It's like, much like how the audience was so diverse, uh, ha- there was just no way to please everybody either. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't say that as a cop out. It's just how could it? How could it, it? it's? It, it's interesting to know to sort of know in in retrospect how much the X Files fandom sort of shaped modern fandom culture. Like you know the most the most common known term from fandom is shipping. You know, wanting two characters to be in a relationship that came from the X-Files fan boards in the 90s. <laughs> that is that they invented that term, not Kirk and Spock. Um, that, that ship <laughs> Fans, man. Bigger than the whole show. <laughs> uh, and, you know, on, on the note of Mulder and Scully's relationship, I think I think I have the story. Is it Mulder can... and Scully or Scully and Mulder? <laughs> no <one's Scully>. ever... <laughs> um, I, I think the story that I that I love to tell about them um, is is a really good story to sort of end the the podcast on, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. Um, uh, so, I, I am I am bisexual, and viewing these two people as a young person very much helped me come to terms with that. So I'm I'm sitting there one night, you know, maybe a little drunk, talking with my partner about how I'm really attracted to both of them, but I'm also really invested in their relationship. 
And they look me dead in the eye and go, you want them to unicorn hunt you. <laughs> wow. Which for, for those of you who don't know is when a straight couple seeks out a bisexual woman for a threesome. I was like, shit, shit, she re- they read me, no. <laughs> Uh, you're not the only one who I know kind of came to terms with their uh, sexuality. Themselves, yeah, it, it was good for that. And I think, I think that because they the were all atypical, that's... Mulder was weird, but he wasn't necessarily the heroic guy who saved everybody. And uh, yeah, Sc- Scully is very clearly the the tougher of the two. She's you know? the hero, and at the same time, like she's more than just a very strong female. She's just someone who can approach any kind of belief any kind of just fun and it's just the rare kind of of just fiction going beyond just the small screen or even the big screen and i think that they were were very i think that the other thing the x-files did that i don't think a lot of like you know there's this there's this old um story that whenever like a sci-fi or a fantasy property whenever the creators find out that a huge chunk of their fan base is women or they they start to go like what are we doing wrong and i think one of the things the x-files did well is they didn't do that they didn't see like wow there's a bunch of women who are really invested in this relationship they didn't immediately try to start driving them away they're like no these are people who are enjoying the show as intended exactly oh my god yeah everyone likes to long story short if they a lot of the ones who say stop being political are the ones who made it political to begin with. Is like this is fun. There's no harm in being progressive and making everyone so comfortable in their own skin. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I think Gillian Anderson is openly bisexual, which probably helps. Uh, I think I did hear that. I didn't. That's where I was always getting confused because sometimes she was making comments about men, and other times she's making comments about women, and I didn't. I didn't follow her social life. I already liked her so much as an actress. I was just like, oh, well, then good for her, you know? <laughs> you, you know, I, I think that um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that if you, you are part of the queer community, we, we f- if, if you hear, I, I have heard of actors, uh, you know, six months ago, I don't know what a Dove Cameron is. What's a Dove Cameron? She's on some Disney show. What are, what, <laughs> I am a 32-year-old woman. I haven't watched a Disney Channel show this, not this decade, not the decade before, nor the decade before that. <laughs> but, you know, the moment she comes out, I heard about it. it you, you, you hear it. <laughs> all right, I think that's a good a good spot to end on. Yeah, for now. I don't think we're going to get any deeper with all the other actors. So, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't think that they're, I think that unfortunately, like, both fortunately and unfortunately the x-files didn't really have many other like we could go through people who showed up on the x-files and later became famous you know jack black's in an episode seth green's in an episode yeah no i i i we I, and all the other actors have appeared in so many other giant shows i could just literally just mm-hmm. do a segment about that and lean into it. yeah I, I i literally had a segment in my reviews where i would look over the cast of every single episode and go, well, that guy does this now, that guy's unjustified. That per- Half the cast of Desperate Housewives was on one episode or another. Um, there's another <laughs> show I've never watched. Wow. I've, I've heard it's good. I just never got around to it. You know? Oh, but, which one? Housewives or something else? Desperate Housewives. Um, okay, yeah. No, I couldn't get into it. But... Uh, uh, so you, you could do that. And I'm maybe maybe that's, maybe you go, 
find someone who's a huge fan of the X-Files and say like, here is your- uh, you're, you're my number one, it's fine, it's okay. Here, here's your podcast pitch for you, Mr. Fan of the X-Files. You watch through those episodes and every, you do a, a play-by-play of all the other actors imdb profiles i i've tried i i think yeah it's just too much there's, there's 218 it's fun, episodes it's a fun thing to do but yeah i mean uh, it's it's 218 episodes and they had an oscar-winning actress in either the first in like the second episode second or third you know you're never gonna get through all that <laughs> is it second or third i'm i'll be right i'm going to wikipedia to look that up. yeah there's a bunch of great x-files uh, podcast but yeah i've I, i've taken a while to actually get through all of those so, yeah. i actually um, don't listen to podcasts as much as i used to um because my new bus ride to class is like um five minutes so my so i don't have okay it was conduit um <laughs> yeah and okay nominated she she was the the woman who played the mother in the fourth episode um got an Oscar nomination for Diary of a Mad Housewife in 1970, Barry Snodgrass. Wow. <laughs> Another character actress. And uh, that's the other funny thing is that sometimes people who are award winners, they just kind of disappear and just go back into doing TV <laughs> instead of just uh-huh. have and, to do the giant movies. And uh, Are and there then, any other books that you would like to promote, uh, Ellie? Uh, before prom- books? I'm not really, I haven't really decided what my next writing project is going to be now that I'm done with all the X-Files reviews. You can find those. They're, they're up online. I want to review.blogspot.com. I, I am to. going to, if you follow me on Twitter at LSR42, E-L-E-S-S-A-R-4-2, um, I do, this October, I'm going to be talking about um, eight queer horror films. Um, let me get the list. Nice. I can go. Um, basically one from each decade from the 60s on and two for the 2010s because when I got my list it was um, over half the list was from the 2010s. <laughs> okay, so from the 60s I'm watching The Haunting from the 70s and this is a title and a half. Your hmm. vice is a locked room and only I have the key. Uh, from the 80s I'm going to be watching Cruising. From the 90s I'm going to be watching Poison. Oh, from nice. the 2000 I'm watching Jennifer's Body. Uh, from the 2010s, I'm watching Wild and Carmilla, and from the 2020s, I'm watching Retreat. And I'm going to be talking about how how queer horror has evolved over the course of the decades. I'm I'm going to be watching some other films. Those are the ones that I've like committed myself to watch. But you know, the 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 t- 2017 queer horror film Thelma is one of my comfort movies, so I'll probably watch that at some point in October. Um, Oh, and wow. I, I think that it'll be... I have heard of this one. Yeah, it's, on it's a great movie. If if any of you have seen um, last this year, uh, Oscar-nominated Norwegian film, uh, The Worst Person in the World, which is a great movie. I was the director's movie from right before that. And Norway's weird. Norway puts out some good horror movies. Um, <laughs> so so I'm, I just want to talk about... I was going to be reviewing those eight movies over the course of October... Once November hits, who knows? Who knows what I'm going to do? Um, my partner keeps saying I should do the exact same thing I did with the X-Files, but for Seinfeld, and I don't want to do that. Uh, if you want to listen to a great X, uh, Seinfeld podcast, listen to uh, Cartwright. That is by... Cartwright. Right. That's on Blast for our past uh, podcast network mm-hmm. by the 
podcasting after dark uh guys that's pretty yeah. funny you, you can just sort of follow me i i'm gonna be writing just going back to writing regular movie reviews um and you know you can probably find those on my twitter as long as you don't get at me for not having scores uh because i don't really do scores <laughs> and hey, uh that's it glad i could have you on the show and just have a fun kind of just sit down Got glad i could be here thanks for having me anytime I will check out the Oslo trilogy. <laughs> the worst person in the world. <laughs> Follow us on the web on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The podcast is available on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor, Apple, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites. Thanks a million for listening. It's a